So James Ham brought up this question. Um, I believe it was yesterday, or no, Monday. So the, they were, he was talking about Willie Collie Stein's uh, time here in Sacramento. And he was talking about during his time here, he was actually good for the most part. He actually had the highest PER, I think, on the team during his time here. So then basically they, he's talking about it on the radio. And then he brought up this question. I want to get your thoughts on this, Bob. Who was the better king, Willie Cauley-Stein or Marvin Bagley? Oh, <laughs> oh man. I, in my opinion, Marvin Bagley. Marvin, I, I'll be honest, I, didn't re, I wasn't really following the Kings during Willie's mm-hmm. time. During his last year, I honestly thought he was a bit like unfairly ridiculed. He, I mean, he did some dumb shit. But like he was trying to expand his game a little bit, and like he tried to do some stuff, and he said some stupid shit. I get it. Like he wasn't terrible, I thought, but I had to think about it, and I might go Willie Colley Stein because like it wasn't, it wasn't. He didn't have a toxic attitude, I, I guess, uh, where I would leave it. So let's let's just re- disregard the toxic attitude between you know any of the players. Colley Stein as a player. On paper, he he had lots of downs, in my opinion. He was very inconsistent, a lot more than uh, Bagley was. But, you know, with Bagley, it's more because of his health issues. But for Kali Stein, it's more of like he kind of didn't really fit the system during our time. We had cousins. We had uh, pretty much cousins. Cousins was our center, and Collie Stein was just should have been just I don't know. We got pit a lot other better stuff uh, during his uh, his draft years, um, but his progression with the Kings. Uh, I'm talking about Willie Collie Stein, by the way. It, I didn't even see that much growth, to be honest. And when it did come to the Fox era, it did kind of fit the culture in a way because we did play fast under Jaeger of course but he already hit his ceiling in my opinion by the time that um time hit look I'm not going to disagree with you I thought he tried to he tried to be you know Christoph Sporzingis when he really should have just been you know not not prime Dwight Howard but like just the offensive side where you're the best pick and roll player like you're super fast and stuff. I mean, we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna rehash all that. But the fact that the fact that that it, I had to think about that, damn Marvin, that was bad. Mm. <laughs> that was so bad. And so that's how that's how we're gonna open up the show. Oh boy, yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to think more about it. <laughs> all right, welcome to episode 183 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, in this episode, we'll be going over uh, the Kings' top five wins this season, in our humble opinions. Um, and of course, you know, you heard in the intro, Fong is with me. Um, and we'll also be going over a little bit of news. Um, you know, the playoffs are happening. Uh, there are some questions I will be asking Fong just to get his thoughts on it. And also, um, the Debo Samuel situation that came out today. So we'll be going over that in a bit too. Okay. All right, Fong. Uh, start us off by one of you. What was one of your uh, five best games in your opinion for the Kings? So for me, I actually ranked mines from, you know, five, four, three, two, one. So going off for number five on October 20th, 2021, and if you guys didn't know, that's the first game of this season, is against the Trailblazer. So this game, Fox looked like he was where he pretty much left off since last season. And there's also Barnes. Barnes really looked like that third option we really needed during that time. Now, uh, is nowadays he's the third option, but uh, he's arguably, I guess you could say, the second option during this time because Tyrese wasn't really having a great start to the season uh, at this point. But man, oh man, Barnes looked like he was pretty much second option this game. He had six threes in the second quarter pretty much and scored a career high of 36 points with us 
against the Trailblazers. And you know, looking at this game, especially with a full, pretty much fully healthy Trailblazers with CJ and uh, for some reason Damian Willard. And let's not forget uh, Norman Powell. And Norman Powell. <laughs> and Anthony Simons, mm-hmm. if you uh, care. Who, who says you can't have too many small guards? Oh, course. yeah. Of course, you know, you know, I'm I'm throwing stones from a glass house because the Kings started out with a pretty small guard lineup too. But yeah, uh, I I remember hating their their off season, uh, the the Blazers off season. That that is. Yeah, it. I mean, most of their most of the team or their team, sorry, pretty much stayed the same. I mean, they're pretty consistent in terms of going to playoffs. I mean, can't say that now because of this season. But, uh, you know, being the Blazers was a pretty big feat because, you know, it was, a you know, the stepping stone where we thought, and I'm going to mention hope a lot this episode, had hope that we could make the playoffs because Blazers are one of those teams that is kind of like, uh, what's the word? Gatekeeper, essentially. Yeah, the gatekeepers of, you know, maintaining, I guess, Going to the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like, it was a very good win. Like, we dominated them. Like th- that game, and of course, you know, in you know, classic King Kang's fashion, for no reason, let them back in the game, and was what a three point game um, by the end. But like, yes, the Kings came out and made a statement. Like, De'Aaron literally picked off, picked up right where he left off. It was a 28 points or something like that. 27. 27 points and just look look like a star and then like Barnes out of nowhere just exploded everyone else was doing their part it looked like everyone had bought in and they were ready for uh, you know a play in, a playoff push because they had won every game in preseason they had they had they just also came off of you know a what's the what's the thing summer league championship like oh, mm-hmm. and then all the stuff coming out of training camp like oh everyone's playing better every like the guys are playing defense davion's like locking up uh De'Aaron, giving De'Aaron trouble and it, it was it was like legitimately <laughs> the training the training camp from heaven and mm-hmm. it was it, like all good vibes coming into the season and it was you know like it was supported by this first game where again you very much dominated for the dominated the trailblazers to start the season and yeah again vibes were looking real there were good vibes all around the team and like we were expecting a very good season oh yeah and you know i'm gonna give an honorable mention now i mean there was the trailblazers game also on november 24th of 2021 pretty much the same thing damien played cj played try to play their best it kind of wasn't the opposite this time where Damian was the lead scorer and CJ was kind of having a slump and you know you yeah, Yusuf Nurkic was uh, having such a great game against us uh, and I'm gonna mention Norm Powell too but uh, in this game it was also pretty like team oriented where everyone did their part and you know who else who did that part in that game Marvin Marvin Mag- yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he hit the three and then started yelling at yelling at the Sacramento fans because that's how angry he was. <laughs> that's how hyped he was. Oh yeah, yell at your own team's fans. Um, okay, so I'll so I did my list a little differently. I just put like came up with five different games. I don't have them ranked one through five. They're just they're basically just my five favorite. There's no rank. They are just good games that happen this season. So let's start with this one: uh, Kings versus Suns. Uh, October 27th. This was the Barnes game winner game, or yeah, the, the one where Barnes had a game winning three over Devin Booker. Um, and yeah, that amazingly was one of the, like one of our two wins against the Suns this year. Um, and, you know, the, the Suns were kind of like, you know, they were, they were starting out kind of slow. I remember, I, I think it was right after this game, they played against New Orleans. The New Orleans was garbage at that point. Like, they were a garbage ass team. And apparently they like they they I think they got like either a 10-point lead or a 20-point lead against the Suns, like in the first half or the first quarter. And the Suns fans actually started booing. Like on their on their home court. Like they started out slow. And this was one of the games where 
basically like they started out slow. Everyone played decently okay, but Chris Paul, weirdly enough, was one for 10 from the field for six points. And uh, on the other side, you had Buddy Heal, who was absolutely on fire this game. 26 points, 7 for 11 from three. And he he actually gave, got us a pretty sizable lead in the fourth quarter. Unfortunately, the, the Kings would ultimately blow that lead for no reason again. I think they were up 10 with like two minutes to go. But, mm-hmm. you know, like all the props to Buddy Heal this game, like he was, he was just hot. He like, you know, keyed a great run in the fourth and also defended Booker uh, very well on the final, on the second to final possession, the possession that led to the Barnes game. Oh yeah. And this is actually my fourth uh, game in my top five uh, in my list. Uh, I gotta say, yeah, I went against the first seed, which we wouldn't have known until the end of the season. Winning against the first seed is pretty big, especially since everyone was pretty much healthy uh, this game in the Suns, by the way. Uh, the only gripe I had this game was, I, I'm pretty sure you, you'll remember this, uh, but he had a slow start in the first quarter, which he was pretty terrible. Plus, pretty much 90% of the time, he was always on Booker. And Booker, I mean, he was one that, one of the only bright spots in the Suns this game, other than uh, DeAndre Ayton, that pretty much was able to score at will against us. So the thing with that is it's not a Kings exclusive thing. Like Rick Carlisle's having Buddy do the same thing. And apparently one of the reasons why I hear is because his off-ball defense is so bad that, that when you put him on the ball, at least he can focus, focus on something, which you know, ends up having him guard Devin Booker. But apparently that's just the thing. His off-ball defense is somehow worse than his on-ball. And, like, they just need to put him on someone good so he can just focus on That's just how coaches see it, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> pretty weird. But, yeah, like, credit to him. He defended Booker on that last possession, did, did a great job and forced the miss. So, you know, shout out to Buddy. We're not we're not going to be talking – we don't talk uh, a lot of positive about Buddy on – of this podcast and honestly no sack no one in sacramento really speaks of him positively anymore we gotta mm-hmm. we gotta give him some love for you know playing a great game uh, during this game oh yeah all right give me another one of your games now for this third game i don't really have much notes about it but i believe we have the same one and this was against charlotte on november 5th 2021 pretty much the biggest thing about this game was that we scored a franchise best of 22 three points made in a game. And that was pretty big because, you know, Kings don't shoot well in three uh, in three points at all this season. And seeing this was pretty ridiculous. And it pretty much uh, half of them were made by Buddy, eight for 17. But my God, why did I even say 17? That, that doesn't sound good on paper, but hey, he contributed. Look, everyone was on fire this game. Like, so Rashawn Holmes, 23 points, 20 rebounds. And yeah, as you mentioned, Kings went 22 of 44 from three. Twice what the twice what the Hornets made. Um, Kings also had twice the free throws that the Hornets had. So the Kings made 22 free throws out of 26. Hornets only shot 21, but only made 13. Like, so literally twice, twice the amount of free throws they had. Everyone except, uh, uh, everyone on the uh, Hornets, except for LaMelo and Hayward, played pretty bad. Uh, with the, also with the exception of Cody Martin, who was five for five. Good, good on him. Uh, this was interesting. Kings had twice the turnovers that the Hornets had. And yeah, they had 18 turnovers and Hornets only had 10. Like, judging, just like, see, re- remembering this game, I thought the Hornets turned over a lot more because there were just so many threes like open threes but no they they just they're just bad on defense yeah and i need to look back at the highlights but i don't remember the hornets ever getting too close like we always kept the lead throughout the game and i mean we never looked back pretty much it was a 30 point pullout yeah I, I do remember there were some moments where I think like LaMelo made a few threes and like he made a few plays in a row and like I think they got it to like maybe 16 or possibly mm. even 12 like I mean as a Kings fan you got you you start to sweat a little bit but yes they, they never really got close after like the hot after getting like a big cushion it was this was a dominant Kings game 
And mm-hmm. also, Kings Kings also had twice the rebounds that the Hornets had. It's 56 to the Hornets, 28. It's pretty crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, it, it was just one of those games where the Kings just, everything clicked. Like, Rashawn Holmes was incredible. The Buddy Heel did his thing. Everyone just, you know, rained threes. And, yeah, it was just... It was just a good. It was just a good game, and unfortunately, this is where this was where things started to go a little downhill because, like, it, it felt like the Kings peaked here. I believe they were five and three after this. Mm, yeah, I remember that time, and we'll get to that. But now that I look at our top fives, it it was pretty much most of it in the beginning of the season. Well, <laughs> but yeah. Luke? Well, well, you know, we, we get a little bit later. Like you know, there, there were some good vibes uh, later on in the season. Not not a lot, but there, there were some. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh yeah. Okay, so, um, so my next game, uh, Kings versus Lakers. This was the triple OT game uh, in LA. Uh, my note is Fox looked like an absolute star this game. This I actually forgot. Rashad Holmes and Harrison Barnes were out. So and this was the stretch where we were thinking, what in the what the hell are the Kings gonna do? I think Mo Harkless was out too. I don't I don't remember, but like yeah, the Kings had no wings and somehow survived that stretch mm-hmm. decently well. Um, th- this was interesting. Kings had 18 more field goals than the, than the Lakers, which mm-hmm. that's actually pretty incredible. 16 offensive rebounds somehow, and the 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 Lakers actually had one more three and one more free i think one more free throw um um in this game than the kings but the kings were able to pull this one out fox played 53 minutes a plus 15 which is really great like for a star player to play that many minutes and be that big of a big that big of a positive mm-hmm. and then with 34.6 of rebounds and eight assists halliburton played 47 had 19 six and nine and also five steals uh five for nine from three marvin out of I Marvin, the stats don't really show it, but he actually had a really good game. Five for five from the field, thirteen point seven rebounds, and four assists. Like yeah. that, that was the most surprising stat to me. Yeah, some weird stats also is that Buddy and Marvin had a plus ten and plus nine respectively, and then you see Davion with a minus twenty. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think the bench were not hot this game. I don't yeah. remember it, but yeah. Really doesn't reflect, you know, uh, watching this game. But uh, yeah, going back to Mo Harkless, he, I remember he went out on a sprain. I forgot who or what happened. I, I just remember he had a sprained uh, ankle, I believe. Uh, yeah, so with without Mo Harkless, Marvin Bagley had to guard Mar- uh, LeBron James for mm-hmm. a lot of the game. And I don't know if it's just a LeBron thing, but LeBron shot a lot of threes. Didn't make a lot of them, but Marvin did a good job on LeBron. And like, if you had ever said that to me, I was like, you are on crap if I if you think Marvin can card LeBron. But <laughs> he did a great job, like for the most part. Granted, I think I even said this like when we were reviewing the game. When LeBron wanted to, he would destroy Marvin. But for whatever reason, he didn't. He just didn't want to. Yeah, Lakers. This game was pretty laughable in terms of both defense and offense. They, I mean, they had everyone out on the floor. I mean, by everyone, I mean LeBron and AD, and I guess you could throw in Westbrook. Hey, and Westbrook you, for Westbrook, you can throw throw, the, throw him in for this one. 29, yeah. 10, and eleven, and he was good. That that wasn't empty stats either. That he was good this game. Yeah, especially during uh, the fourth quarter, and like, uh, not really. In, during the three OTs, I, don't, I can't remember much from that with Westbrook. Yeah, like the thing. Well, the thing is, like in a in a game where he's not actively hurting you, that's actually a plus. So, <laughs> um, one guy that was not as good, however, he did come alive for uh for the fourth quarter in OT. Buddy Hill was terrible this game. He did. He I think he had two. Like he came alive in the OTs, but like I think he had like two field goals like before that. And he and he ended up eight for twenty one from the field and three for thirteen from from three. Just yeah. Awful, but he hits. But he made some big plays down the stretch, including I believe it was the first OT where yes. he just took this god awful one legged throw it up to the basket and somehow it goes in. Yeah, and I believe it's against. It was either it was, it was on LeBron. LeBron. It was on LeBron. LeBron. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Like. It should, it should have ended there with Lakers winning that first OT. 
Oh man, <laughs> that was that was the most ridiculous shot we've probably seen this uh, season, to be honest. Um, yeah, Westbrook uh, played 51 minutes, had a triple double. I believe LeBron had 47, if I remember. Like, I, he was, I think, he had 50. I, I don't remember, but like, weirdly enough, again, just two for 13 from three. I don't know why he shot that many threes. And again, he he was being guarded by Marvin Bagley of all people, and did a great job. Yeah, he was pretty confident from uh, <laughs> shooting threes. I mean, throughout the whole game, he wanted to shoot that three, and he wanted it to go down. But that's the thing. I think he was settling a lot. And again, again, it was Marvin. Like, I don't know why he shot as many threes. And like, that was a thing against another game that we'll talk about in a bit. But like, he shoots a lot of threes against the Kings. I don't know why. Hmm, that's interesting. I never noticed that. I mean, if if he's confident that he can make it, sure. But 13, that's, that's, that's quite a lot. I think that's probably his uh, season high in terms of attempts. I actually don't think that's his season. I think he probably shot more in another game. But really? A- anyways, uh, also Kings tied for the second most assists during uh, in a game this season. So thirty-two, I believe, was the number. Oh, yeah, that's right, huh? Okay, uh, give me one of your games. Let's see. Well, we went over the Lakers. I forgot to mention that was my <laughs> second choice. <laughs> so I only have one more choice, and that's. In my in my opinion, the most fun game, the most my favorite game of the season, Minnesota, February 9th, twenty twenty two, when Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Dot, wait, what? Dante was here? No, Dante was not here. Yeah, no. Dante was not here, and uh, Holiday came to Sacramento for in, in the Halburn trade and Buddy Hill and whatnot. And it was probably the most fun like game I've ever watched as a Kings fan in quite some time. It gave me chills. It, it almost made me tear up. Yeah, so before this game, like during the day, we were actually wondering if they were even going to play because they had like just like landed in Sacramento, I think either the day before or even like on the day. And like they we, we weren't sure they were going to be cleared to actually be able to play and yeah they had they basically had no time to go over plays that like they just briefly like the report was like they briefly like went over some basic stuff of what they run and yeah they they come in they just literally the entire offense just changed as soon as these three guys like you know were able to join the lineup yeah like Pretty much everyone, including the bench, which you know didn't have Sabonis out at most times. Even the bench had like some sort of offensive plan to play with, and it, it's just crazy how much just one player unlocks a lot of offense, and how much ball movement we were doing, and how much players were moving around because we were games before we were so used to like. A lot of hero ball, a lot of ISO plays, a lot of, a lot of just plain on nothing. But all of a sudden, Sabonis comes in and just makes everyone run. It, it's it's crazy how like this team turned around in just such a few days with uh, having this uh, type of player in our team. And like the thing was, you even saw it in this game. Like as like there were moments where he checked out. I believe it was like the end of the third. De'Aaron ISO. De'Aaron ISO, Davion ISO, no ball movement, maybe a pass. Like you still saw it, but again, as soon as Sabonis, Justin Holliday got into the lineup, it was you know swing, swing, swing. The ball sink, just like flew around the flew around the court like for easy shots, and everyone was somehow like just within literally the first game. They had not practiced. They literally just went over basic stuff, and they just it felt like they just knew how to play with one another. It was incredible. Like, so Barnes, like, looked like he had been rejuvenated. Like, we talk about De'Aaron a lot, but Barnes this game, 30 points on 11 shots somehow, four for five from three and 10 free throws, 10 for 10 from the free throw line. It was, um, it, it rejuvenated the entire team and, like, gave hope to a fan base that, like, literally just had his heart ripped out with the Halliburton trade. Oh, yeah. I mean, Sabonis just made, like, I don't want to say, like, third options uh, look good but he made Chemezi Metu look 
really good. Like so many rock plays, so many open looks. Like it's crazy. Oh, and I gotta mention that Davion dunk. That's probably the, the first time we've seen Davion dunk with the Kings, and it was it was just such a blast to watch. It also inspired him to just start dunking on people all over the place. I don't I don't know what got into him later on in the season, but. Yeah, it, and if you look at the stat sheet, like Sabonis only had five for five assists somehow. And but you look at that game, he initiated so many hockey assists. And yeah, again, the offense was completely transformed with his presence. Uh, Kings apparently this they also tied again for the second most uh, assists during this game. I think there were three games where the Kings had 32 assists, and this was one of them. Um, Davion was a plus 23. Lamb was a plus 26. Um, it's just Justin Holiday. I thought he played a lot better for this game, but apparently mm-hmm. he didn't. Two for eleven from the field for six points. But he was really, really good this game. Like he was getting hockey assists. He was like, you know, he. he so um, James Ham and Brendan Nunes came up with a stat: the second most assist uh, that Sabonis got is to Justin Holiday. It's a very weird thing where he has like really good chemistry with uh, Sabonis. And even though he didn't even make any shots, like he he still like is apparently like a go-to with Sabonis. Like that's partially, that might be part of the reason why he starts, but yeah, two for 11 this game, six for six points, but what was really good, unfortunately it would foreshadow his time here at Sacramento where he just could not hit shots. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see in the off season what we'll do with him, and you know, with this game, this is pretty much the kind of stepping stone that I would expect uh, for uh, you know for coming in the future with these uh, Kings players, especially uh, starting out next season, and hopefully this type of play we'll see a lot more throughout next season, and you know it gets you a little excited and hopeful <laughs> that dangerous work that's a dangerous yeah. path we're going now but yeah. yes it it based this is basically the best version of what the kings could be and yeah we got we got a great taste of it again it rejuvenated the team rejuvenated De'Aaron fox rejuvenated harrison barnes and rejuvenated the entire fan base like that that has just been that has been absolutely dead for like you know attendance started to rise a bit like you know seemingly because of this like it, it breathed new hope into a into a fan base that had given up basically mm-hmm. um yeah fox had 27 and 8 uh 27 points and 8 rebounds i mean uh sabonis had 22 points 14 rebounds and 5 assists uh, Kings absolutely destroyed the Wolves on the boards, 51 to 34. Yeah, Wolves are not a good rebounding team. That, that's actually like a pretty common thing with them. Wolves made four more threes than the Kings, but but they have the Kings have more free throws uh, or field goals and, and on less attempts and went to the free throw line more. Uh, another thing I remember, Russell was like steaming hot going into the fourth qu- fourth quarter. Like I forgot how many points he scored in the four- in the third, but like he had 29 points going into the fourth. They put Davion on him to to close the game, and he he I think it was 0 for five in the fourth. <laughs> I see. Yeah, I gotta remember that. Uh, yeah, this is probably the only game that I rewatched the highlights multiple times too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, again, it, it it was the dawning of a new era. This would be the best that it, this will be the best game of the Sabonis era. But yeah, they, they started out with a bang. And again, it gives you a lot of hope about like what the Kings could be next season. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to go uh, with one. So we're going to actually go back in time a little bit to the Kings versus the Clippers on December 4th. Uh, this was a game where where I believe it was the second night of a back to back. And um it was against the both games were against the Clippers and this was also a game where we didn't have Harrison Barnes and basically like we were wondering how we're going to guard uh, PG this game and Fox was the one who took up the assignment and somehow held him to a 5 for 21 shooting granted PG did have 10 assists um, but this also was a game where TD not PG but TD Terrence Davis was really hot 6 for 11 from 3 um, despite the rest of like the whole game, like both teams shot terrible from the field. Clippers shot 38% from the field 
and uh, from three. King shot 42% at 35%, but Terrence Davis was the one that was able to kind of like weather that storm for the Kings and be able to, you know, go out there and get buckets. Yeah, I always forget that in the beginning of this season, we started Terrence Davis a lot. And, you know, as the... No, cover, we did not. No, if you remember, we, like, we we didn't play him a lot a lot because we had to play Buddy. Uh, it's so weird because in the beginning of the season, I mean, with Luke uh, coaching at the time, the, the lineups were all flip-flopped so many times that I, I swore that we played Terrence Davis a lot more. And, you know... There was a game, like, against the Jazz, I remember he started just because they kept wanting to play um, what's-his-face off the bench, uh, Buddy off the bench. And I think yeah. Mo got hurt um, in the Portland game, so that does start TD as the small forward. But he didn't get a lot of rope. Like, he just... He got COVID at the, at the beginning of the season, and it kind of threw... It, he basically started out really slow. And it it wasn't until like the middle of the season where like he's actually started to play more mm. yeah which kind of makes me wonder if you know we'll see him more next season I, i'm actually not sure to be honest with terrence davis let's hope so because like uh, I, we talk about the shooting with this team i think he solves a lot of the shooting i think he's he that the the percentages are kind of like meh but i feel like he's a knockdown shooter in my opinion, he's an absolute microwave. And we'll see how it works. Like, I think you can run a three-guard lineup or possibly even a four-guard lineup with, um, you know, um, Fox, Davion, uh, DiVincenzo, and Terrence Davis. The the issue is the size and also, like, the rebounding. But with DiVincenzo in there, I think it could work. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. But yeah, not not too many notes about this game, but I do remember like, you know, Fox being able to guard PG pretty well, you know, despite giving up, what, seven inches or something like that. And again, I will always kind of maintain, I think Fox can be a very good defender when he wants to be. And might and, you know, probably should guard wings a little bit more. Hmm, maybe next year, but let's see how, you know, he can improve during next season because... Maybe he'll train with Davion. Who knows? Uh, do you have another game? No, actually, we have pretty much sim- similar uh, games in, for the most part. Uh, besides the Clippers game, actually, which I thought about uh, being in my top five, but I don't know. It, when when I see the game, I want to see you know a fully healthy Clippers team, and we didn't see Kawhi sadly. This pretty much this whole season. I mean, there were rumors he might come back during the playoffs, but we'll never know because they didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. So, <laughs> which is unfortunate. Okay. You know, very untimely COVID, COVID very untimely uh, health and safety protocols for PG. They probably win that game if he plays. So, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, they're in no rush. Like, they shouldn't rush uh, Kawhi back, anyways. Like, and it'd be really weird if he did come back, like, not playing a single game in the regular season and just jumping right into the playoff against what probably the Suns like reds it that's an that's gonna be an interesting series now now that uh Devin Booker's gonna be out for two games yeah gee yeah we'll, we'll see about that strain yeah uh anyways my last game and I just realized kind of reading through this I had six games as opposed to five but it, oh. whatever whatever um King Kings versus Lakers um January 12th uh in the Golden One Center uh, the Kings were able to outduel the Lakers in a very intense game. A very like heat, a very like hot uh, Golden One Center crowd that was pretty split between Lakers fans and Kings fans. There were fights in the stands. Like it was, it was an intense game. Um, and yeah, this was also known as the coldest ice game. This was where every time Westbrook made a mistake, uh, turned it over, or missed a shot, the Kings would play cold as ice. Apparently, someone got really got into their feelings and went to the NBA office, and it's been uh, outlawed from ever doing it again. But uh, it was kind of like it was kind of poetic because Westbrook was absolutely terrible this game. Eight points on two for fourteen from the field. Granted, only had one turnover, so credit to him on that. But he did have twelve rebounds and six assists. But he was terrible, and he had a very, he had a late three 
like where I think it was with a minute ago where he didn't try to penetrate and shoots a long three and misses and it leads to a Metu three to put him up by seven and that was the game. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I think this game was also the game where LeBron tried playing center because AD was out. And, you know, we also played Marvin Bagley uh, as our 5-2. So, yeah, that was that was an interesting game. And look at the lineups. It, it, we did both play pretty small. Uh, yeah, like, so I remember you asking me why didn't Kata play this game. I don't think Alvin was comfortable putting Kata, like, you know, out there against a small lineup. And he wasn't, com- I don't think he was comfortable putting him against Dwight Howard, who's an absolute brute. And the game, the Laker game before this, Dwight Howard was destroying us on the boards. And like whenever he was out there, he would actually punish the Kings for being small, but he didn't play much this game, but I remember right. No, only 15 minutes. Which you probably should play a little bit more because they, so LeBron had 34 points, Malik had 22, uh, Reeves had 19 and was very annoying, like flopping and just making, quote unquote, making great plays, but it was so annoying. But other than that not much not much from everyone else like it was these three guys and everyone just kind of didn't show up Mm -hmm. but you know our whole starting lineup showed up Tyrese had 14 Harrison Barnes 23 Darren 29 Marvin 16 (laughs) and Metu with 14 yeah like they were they were great this game it was it was an intense game and the kings just came out on the other end again just the rivalry aspect of it and remember this before this the laker game before this the no so it was the laker game in golden one center where the lakers fans basically overtook the overtook the arena the uh kings absolutely collapsed and we'll we'll go over that in our worst games of the season like and it was just nice to see them be able to bounce back. And after a pretty brutal stretch where there were a lot of losses, this was a bright spot in the season. Mm, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, so if you don't have any more games, I'll just go over some of my honorable mentions. All so right. these these were not wins, but these were games that I really enjoyed watching. Uh, two of them against the Suns. So we'll go over the first Suns one. Uh, the Suns game on November 8th. So the Kings actually played the Suns pretty well this game up until the third quarter where they just collapsed for some reason and they actually got the fans to start booing them. However, they made a miraculous comeback in the fourth with, you know, the third unit. It was Damian Jones, Chemezi Metsu, who had not played and even some Jemias Ramsey in there. Like they and they made a miraculous uh, comeback, like down 20 something. They got it to about as close as two. Um, Harrison Barnes was on the fast break, gets an and one that that gets challenged and overturned. But had that not been overturned, the Kings would have been down two and probably win the game because all the momentum was on their side. And it was it actually got so bad for the Suns that Monty Williams actually had to put back in the starters because they they, they were up twenty in the fourth and they thought they were gonna just walk away with one, but the Kings wouldn't let them. Like especially like you know Metsu and Damian Jones that. This is the game where I was just like, these guys just play hard. Like they they know, they just cherish the minutes that they get and they'll play their absolute hearts out. And we saw this game. Mm. Wait, did we go to this game? No. no, we didn't. No, we didn't. I actually don't remember this game. I think I, I remember. I think I did a solo. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure I did a solo on this one. So mm-hmm. I, I forgot what you were doing. But yeah, you, I don't think you watched this game. Yeah, sadly, that that be be a pretty big comeback if uh, we actually pulled it through. Uh, this was also a game where Marvin refused to check in during the third when when the game was getting out of hand and like Luke was just gonna bench his starters, and he brought in Jemise Ramsey. I don't remember if he put in Woodard, but Jemise Ramsey was in. Chemezi Metsu and Damian Jones, who had not played at that point. And uh, yeah, Marvin just said, no, I'm not going in. And unfortunately, that was the beginning of the end because up to this point, like I, me and you were saying, like, you know, Marvin wants to play, but, you know, he just isn't going to get the opportunity to. And like, he should get an opportunity. Not after this game. He, he showed that, you know, sometime, I guess he just thinks he's too good for this and he didn't want to play. Oh, I guess he didn't really want to play in garbage time or, you know, quote unquote garbage time. Yeah. And again, this was kind of the beginning of the end. Yeah. 
Uh, my next one, Kings versus Bucks, um, March 16th. The Kings absolutely went toe-to-toe with, you know, the defending champions. And there were a number of calls, like, had they gone the other way, probably, like, the Kings would probably win this one. There was one very notable one where um, I, I think De'Aaron got fouled on one end. And then he comes back down and takes a charge from Chris Middleton, who just runs him over, no call, and Chris Middleton hits a three. And that was kind of one of the key calls of the game that didn't get called. De'Aaron is it was able to tie it up on the other end, but yeah, it was just it was just nice to see them be able to go toe to toe with the champion like that, who needed everything to go their way to beat the Kings. Yeah, and this is also the game where uh, Giannis was playing, right? Yes, he did play. Mm. Yeah, very interesting. I forgot who was on Giannis to be honest, but man, I'm surprised. Oh, go on. I'm sorry. I want to say it was Rashawn. I don't actually re- remember, but it might have been Metsu too. And yeah, he basically slept walked to a 36 point game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. He, I'm surprised he didn't score more, to be honest. Uh, this was also the game where Fox injured his hand. It was on a uh, swipe down on Giannis. And Fox actually talked about it that he he um, Drew actually realized he couldn't dribble with his right hand anymore because it was it was hurting so bad, and started to force just completely force him left down the stretch or force him to that side down the stretch, and that's kind of what caused a lot of the turnovers um, down the stretch. He had nine turnovers this game, so yeah, um, it was this was the last game that De'Aaron played this season because of that hand. Oh, interesting. Man, that, that's a pretty smart uh, read from Drew, then. I mean, Drew could probably, like, lock up anyone anyways. But, yeah, when you can't dribble one way, that's that's even worse. Like, we've seen – I'm, I've watched Drew enough to know that he probably is the best perimeter defender in the league. And, yeah, if you're going to have that big of a disadvantage, like, you might as well pass it to Dave Young because you're not getting by Drew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, my last one, uh, Kings versus Suns, um, March 20th. Kings went toe-to-toe again with a very good team. Granted, they were without Chris Paul. Um, they were somehow were able to foul out DeAndre Ayton, Booker, and McGee. I don't know how they did that. But uh, yeah, this was kind of a shorthanded Kings team without De'Aaron and uh, Sabonis, who got injured um, during this game. And luckily, it was an ACL tear uh, late in the fourth. And yeah, like the Kings went toe to toe. They showed a lot of heart. And yeah, the game basically was lost when there was basically Landry Shaman got an open three off a illegal Biombo screen that, you know, the last two minute report said was a missed call. And they got Landry Shaman gets an open three and basically puts the game away. And that's what it took to beat the Kings. So, you know, just a, I guess a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say a backhanded compliment, but like it's just nice to see the Kings put up a good fight, and it took just about everything for the Suns to be able to beat them. Yeah, without Fox too, and you know, pretty good game in general, to be honest too. And I mean, could have lost a lot earlier, but surprisingly, yeah, with those six fouls with those three players, that <laughs> that was a really interesting refing game. Yeah, uh, shout out to Davion for playing as well as he did. Like for for whatever reason, this game he tried to dunk on Javale McGee a bunch of times. Uh-huh. I don't know, I don't know what got into him, but yeah, K- Kings apparently shot better from three this game, forty seven from three and forty three percent from the field. I thought that was kind of funny, but oh. yeah, shout out to Davion for having a great game. Like he, he he guarded Booker quite a bit, and granted, Booker like hit hit the game like what was supposed to be the game winner to go up two. Um, in the fourth quarter, but Davion t- comes down and gets a layup. Like, yeah, he, I mean, he, it looked, he looked like he could be a starting guard. Like, and again, I, I will maintain, I want to see him start next year or next season, but mm. well, we'll see if that happens. But like this game, like, you know, it was a bit of a coming out party for the, for Davion. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that's all of our games that we have. Um, so overall, like, the, you know, despite it being a, rough season to go through like i think was i think this season was worse than last to be honest but you know going through some of these going through some of these wins like there were a lot of there were quite a few bright spots like within the darkness that was the season yeah looking back at it i mean yeah i gotta say a lot more uh quote unquote 
for me uh, good ones uh, compared uh, I don't know <laughs> I don't know what to say I mean there was a lot of good ones this season of course but some I wished were better than others to be honest All right, let's uh, end this episode by going over some news that happened around the NBA, particularly the NBA playoffs. So let's start with this. Um, The Defensive Player of the Year was announced, and the winner was Marcus Smart. Oh, surprising result, Giannis. I was not expecting Marcus Smart to win it. Yeah, I didn't expect so either. And do you think he deserves it? I mean, probably like the, that. That defense was nasty. It's been really good, like since was it since the second half of the season. And it's, I was just surprised because I mean, he is the first guard to win it since Gary Payton in what '96, I believe. Mm-hmm. So like, because guards like the, the reality is they they just don't win this award because th- th- they don't affect defenses like like how you know a forward or a center does. And I was just surprised. Like I. Honestly, like looking at the ballot, I thought probably Mikel Bridges probably should have deserved it a little bit more. But like that defense, the Celtics defense has been nasty. Yeah, looking at the, you know, two, I would say, yeah, Mikel Bridges would deserve it more in my opinion. But to be honest, I don't watch enough Marcus Smart to know. But all I know from this season, you don't watch enough Suns to know either. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> but from what I've seen, uh, you know, from what the Suns against us, not much Boston against us, surprisingly, because I missed a lot of Boston games this season. But uh, yeah, I mean, all I remember from Marcus Smart this season was that he has become that, you know, I guess the, the Boston guard <laughs> that would, uh, uh, you know, solidify them as a pretty good defensive team because they they have been really good defensively and we'll get to that with the playoffs i guess yeah like he has again like he i've always known he's been a great defender but i thought he i thought he wasn't as good to start the season like again as the season has progressed they've turned into an absolute lockdown unit like looking looking at the playoff series now they're up 2-0 against the nets like he's a big reason for that like he is like even without robert williams which i thought was going to be a big issue because of, like the lack of rim protection they just are absolutely just like clamping down on the nets it, it's incredible and marcus Smart is a huge part of that and yeah credit to him for winning that one again i thought either mikhail bridges would have been the smart choice but like ultimately i wouldn't i don't hate it that it's actually marcus smart Hey, I mean, it could have been Rudy Gobert again. So, okay. So, let, let, let's transition to that. Should Rudy Gobert have gotten more love? Uh, I don't I don't think so. A lot of teams kind of know how to play around Rudy Gobert nowadays. That's from my opinion. Let me just check something real quick on what their defensive rating is. So they're 10th in defensive rating. Boston is number one in defensive rating. That's incredible. incredible. Um, Phoenix Suns are third. But the the reality is he probably should, like, I I think there's a bit of, like, you know, we we say, we talk about, like, MVP fatigue where, like, voters just don't want to vote for the same guy over and over. I think, I think unfortunately, Rudy's getting that uh, treatment now with the Defensive Player of the Year. I think he definitely should probably be Defensive Player of the Year. I wouldn't vote for him, but yeah. like, the, the reality is he is he is the Jazz defense. Like the the Jazz defense, their t- perimeter guards are terrible on defense. Honestly, like without Rudy Gobert, they're the Kings defense. They they really are, and like he he got he basically is. He, he anchors that defense to a top 10 defense all by himself. That, that is a that is a real thing. And he probably should have he probably should have gotten more love for this for this uh for this award. 
but like ultimately i think it's just like dpoy fatigue and the fact that his def the his defense his team's defense just isn't like up there again with the number one and number three defense Mm-hmm. And you you just talked about it. He's very schemable. And granted, part of that part of that is is on him, but I think that's more on the coaching, to be honest. Like, you know, at a certain point, we're we're, we're seeing it from their series against Dallas. You have to be able to mix it up, like switch a little bit more. And like you the, again, the perimeter defenders have to be able to keep a guy in front of them. Like they 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 need to do that. You know, that's how you play defense. And you know. I, I think he I think he is ultimately getting a lot of really like heavily disrespected for, for this but it is what it is like you know it's nice to see uh Marcus Smart again just be a guard be able to win the award after this after this long of a time oh yeah something different uh maybe in the future Rudy will win again someday I guess uh, um I, I do I do want to talk a little bit more about Rudy the, the the debate around him has gotten so toxic where you have these guys who will defend him to the death and say and will say things like you know the, he is the defense and like without him they're like a they're like the worst defense in the league and then there's the other side where it's like why can't he play another way like you know switch and all that instead of just play drop coverage it's gotten it's gotten almost as bad as like you know the the debate between Democrats and or lip, liberals and conservatives has gotten that toxic. Like I actually think I actually don't have any issue with this defense. I think with a, I think if you have a, a like better defenders around him, like to say a better wings around him, he you could actually design a scheme where he can switch onto the perimeter a little bit more often. And actually, I actually think he's pretty good at switching onto the perimeter. But with the way their roster is constructed, with the way the coaching is, like as good as Quinn, Quinn Snyder is, he refuses to adapt. And, you know, he, they haven't played exactly one way and in the playoffs, as we've seen so many times, he is going to get hunted. He is going to get torched. And they're not going to, they're probably not going to win a championship. They're like, they just split the series against uh, Dallas without Luca, and you know, I ultimately think his issue actually is on the offensive end. I, me, you know, me, and I've talked to you about how how much I really just get annoyed with Damian Jones and his hands when it comes to offense and catching the ball. I think Rudy is worse, or like you're paying forty million to a guy. Who arguably is not? Who arguably is worse than Damian Jones on offense? Oh man, and that really says a lot too. Because, gee, I cannot imagine <laughs> like uh, his type of offense compared to Damian Jones. Like I, I had talked about, I did actually feel bad for him. Like because I was watching him, and I noticed that guys like Donovan Mitchell are not passing him the ball when he's open, and he's calling for a down low. And then so I'm watching the Dallas game the other day. And like, you know, lo and behold, like Donovan Mitchell passes them the ball under the basket and he's pretty close to the basket. He can basically just, you know, power it up. And he did, he does just that and then misses the shot. He yeah. has no touch. It, like he's, he legitimately has some of the most awkward kind of body mechanics that I've ever seen for a guy like that, you know, that is as high profile as he is and just, I get it. I get it to a certain degree. I get why he's frustrated. Don't pe- uh, his teammates don't pass him the ball. I also get why his teammates don't pass him the ball. If he's going to do that kind of garbage work, it just looks so bad. Like if it's not a dunk, like it's it's going to be very ugly. He has no touch around the rim. He has. There was a stat that was really funny where basically he's one of the best finishers like on the roll when he doesn't have to dribble. As soon as he has to dribble, it's it's really bad. Apparently, Robin Lopez is better than than him at the, in that specific category where you know he takes one dribble and finishes. Like Robin Lopez, a minimum guy is better than you in that category. Oh dear God! It's yeah, bad. That- <laughs> Uh, I don't want to watch any highlights for Rudy's offense, but gee, I, I kind of well, you're not going to see it on highlights. You you got to well, you got to <laughs> see the misses because well, like it's misses. Like again, in that Dallas Mavericks game, that he gets the ball like under the basket and somehow cannot finish over a six six guy no less. That was the worst part. It's not like you know it, he's going up against Dwight Powell or like Maxi Kleba. He's going up against Dorian Finney Smith 
or like Reggie Bullock, and you cannot finish over them. That's incredible. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Thank, thank you. Thank you for the. Thank you for the analysis there. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah. So I, I think, I think like Bruni ultimately should have gotten more love. And he, I think he, in a different scheme, he probably better, which really just means, yeah, you probably got to move away from Quinn at this point. And you got to, you also got to reshape the roster. But I think, I think ultimately he should get a little bit more love. He is legitimately one of the most disrespected, like high profile players I've seen in a while. For, for a guy that's definitely a very useful basketball player, he gets like almost universally not universally he has stands out there stats people love him and but like like players don't respect him and like a, a good portion of the nba uh twitter community does not doesn't respect him either and i think i think he i think it does need to flip the other way around a little bit more do you expect him to be traded out i, I mean i'll be tr- i trade him before donovan yeah of course, yeah. So yeah, probably. I mean, honestly, had we not gotten some bonus, I wouldn't hate it if he got traded to the Kings. But like, you can't you can't trade for him now that you got some bonus. Like, you can't have two guys who can't shoot like that. Yeah. Granted, we kind of need a Rudy Gobert type, but you need a guy that can shoot. Yeah. I can, if if it were the other way around where we get Rudy, I, I don't know how I could see the offense flow at that. I mean, you can build one. Like, I don't like, I, again, I, I speak I speak about how bad his hands are. It doesn't matter. In the, it doesn't really matter in the regular season. It's just that when you get to the playoffs, it's a problem. So, you know, the Kings get to the playoffs, we're golden. Like, mm. we're more than satisfied. But, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, like, it, he's a tricky player to build around. And I think he can be better, but I, I think there is a there is a ceiling there. And I don't know if it's championship. Yeah, I mean, another team that's uh, almost there could uh, utilize him more. But we'll, we'll have to see if he actually gets uh, taken out of Utah. Okay. Um, let's talk quickly about the Ky- – so Kyrie Irving got fined. Uh, for flipping off <laughs> the Boston crowd and apparently telling people to suck his dick. Um, yeah, what, what were your thoughts on the fine and what Kyrie did? I mean, the fine was like, how much? 50k. Oh, I mean, that's really chump change for him. I mean, yeah, I understand frustration from I mean, Kyrie in, in a way, but come on, it's not really going to deteriorate his game any further, to be honest. In, in fact, I think it actually motivated him because he was yeah. nasty in game one. Uh, he was also good in this, good in game two, too. But like, there's only so much he can do. But uh, again, I'm always an advocate for players being being able to do stuff to fans. And honestly, like we sh- players should be able to beat up beat up fans. But pull that guy out onto the court and just have the whole team, you know, demolish him. Honestly, like I wouldn't hate that. And and also, like it's Boston. Some racist ass white white dudes in Boston. Like, let's be honest. Oh man! Like that's that right. that that's what this is. Going off topic. Uh, have you watched the current uh, winning time? I have not. I've not had a chance to. Let's see. Well, just to roughly go over it, it it's it's about Boston. <laughs> I, I saw the I, yeah I saw the Larry Bird uh, what's it called the graphic on it. So yeah, I, I know what it's about, but back in the day bill russell like when he had his jersey retirement it wasn't really a jersey retirement because he didn't want to do it in front of fans because the fans hated him in boston because they were racist back then and he just had a little ceremony just with some players because he didn't want to retire he didn't want to have a ceremony and where he would probably get you know booed and you know like and racist stuff yelled at him Mm. like that's kind of what boston is and do I do I blame Kyrie for hating these guys? Do I like no? But also like what Kyrie did to them was kind of I, I it, it it it's justifiable to have that level of vitriol against him. But like we know what this actually is. It's a lot of it's a lot of you know racist racist ass people kind of taking a little too far. Oh yeah. Oh, and did you know that Kyrie was actually fasting? 
for quite a while. I, I don't know how it so works. So this game, so this game, so like the game that just happened today, he actually went into the locker room uh, after the first quarter because it was finally the end of Ramadan. So mm-hmm. it means he could, like, it was sunset, so he could actually eat. And he actually came out with some food or came back out with some food. Like that's what he's doing right now, which is pretty insane. Yeah, man. I, and sorry to not know much about Ramadan, but man, he's been fasting for, I don't know, how many days? Uh, I I don't know. I know Hakeem did this back in the day too. Like, mm-hmm. so it's not it's not anything new, but I mean, like, say what you want about Kyrie. He he sticks to his beliefs and he's uh-huh. gonna he's gonna do what he's gonna do. And you know, you can judge him for what he wants. You know, you can judge him if you want to, but like he's playing well right now, too. Yeah. And in spite of, of all that, which is pretty crazy. And again, say what you want, but he's he he sticks to his guns about these things. Yeah, playing at a really high level still. It's crazy. But yeah, I just I just think like again, I think I think ultimately I think players should be able to clap back at fans if they go a little too far. And we know that these fans go a little too far a lot of time. And honestly, some of them need to be taught a lesson. That's that's just a real thing. Are we talking about like malice <laughs> type? Well, you know, you, you gotta control it a little bit. You gotta you gotta make sure it doesn't turn into a riot, but like but let's be honest like you pick out some of these fans like you know you just, you don't run into the stands but let's just say you escort them onto the court and then have them try and stand up to these NBA players and let's and let's see if they still want to talk their shit <laughs> I'm just saying these are some sick these are like you know six eight dudes like who you know are, are trained athletes with a lot of, with some good strength behind them do you want to fuck with that uh, that'd be pretty fun to see, but sadly, we'll never ever see that. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I wish I wish it was a real thing, because like it, the reality is, some people need to be taught a lesson. I think a lot more people would shut up at that point. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, the part the world would be perfect, but it, it's not. So, no, yeah, that, that is, it is what it is. Um, yeah, uh, so that's my that's my two cents on it. Um, I just thought, I just thought, I think it's unfortunate that they had to find Kyrie. I don't think he should be well, he should be fine, but the fact that like that's a thing, like, is a bit of a, I think it's a, it's a shame. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, lastly, let, let's uh, let's end with this. Um, so today it came out that uh, Debo Samuel has demanded a trade. Uh, from the 49ers uh the hiccup i hear is that he basically wants a better contract yeah pretty much i forgot what the number was but yeah it's it's really too bad <laughs> really i mean he really carried us during the you know the pretty much off season and pretty much most of this season because we were we were looking grim like not potentially not making the play not even potentially we weren't gonna make the playoffs and all of a sudden we did make the playoffs and it, all of it pretty much contributed to uh Debo playing really well I mean he really played the system well he played pretty much two positions in offense and to hear that he wants to be traded out I mean it, it's a damn shame because I really think he deserves a lot of money. <laughs> I really wanted to keep him, and I wanted I wanted to get his jersey too. Do you think Do you think he's actually going to get traded, or do you think the switch is blow over? Well, n- not traded, but you know, <sighs> I'm going to say he's probably going to find a bigger contract. So far, I mean, I'm going to say within the week we'll see how things uh, turn out because. I don't know. Like, I really don't know uh, how much money he is going to expect, but I'm hoping that the Niners could somehow match it because we we do need him. And I hope it d- doesn't like deteriorate any like chemistry with the Niners. Look, I'll never have sympathy for teams not paying players. Motherfuckers, y'all got money. It's just about mm-hmm. wanting to spend it. Like I'll, I'll never, I'll never hate a player for wanting to go for the money. 
because mm-hmm. these billionaire assholes have plenty of money to pay players. It's it's honestly to a certain degree chump change to them for the most part. And yeah, uh, I'm I'm on Debo Samuel's side. Get go get the money. Sadly, I don't know how the cap works or any like when it comes to money because there's there's so much. So the motherfucker cut some people. Cut some people. <laughs> cut people. I don't even know who to cut. I want to pay them all. Pay, pay them under the table. I don't. I don't give a fuck. Y'all got money. That shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I actually don't know where he'll end up. I mean. I, I won't expect the playoff team to uh, uh, what you would call it, sign him. To be honest, I mean most of the lower seeds probably will sign him for big money. But if he wants to go to playoffs, might as well stay with us. <laughs> Look, I don't know. I don't know enough about football to really have an opinion on this. I'm gonna predict he actually just ends up staying, and the, the contract thing will get figured out. Hmm. Hopefully. Hopefully, I forgot. I need to look up the number later because when it comes to NBA numbers and NFL numbers, they're totally different <laughs> on totally different spectrums. So all I know is you just got you got you pay the man, okay? You just pay the man. I I watched the highlights for you know the 49ers run. A lot of Debo Samuel in there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh keep, yeah. I don't want to keep him. Oh definitely. <laughs> I hope we do. Like I said, hopefully within the week. Okay. Well, uh, that's all I have on my note sheet. Um, yeah, that was, the, you know, the five, well, again, six, six best wins, five best wins of the Kings season so far. Uh, we will be coming out uh, with a worse uh, losses of the season. And uh, it's gonna be, we're going to dig through a lot of games for that, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll, I guess I'll be looking forward to researching that and I guess going down memory lane for that as well. But as it stands right now, if you don't have anything else, uh, Fong, uh, I am going to end this episode. Yeah, I don't think so. We already, yeah, no, pretty much no. Yeah, so yeah, we'll be coming up uh, soon, uh, probably hopefully in the next few days, uh, with a five or yeah, again, with the worst losses of the season because I couldn't stick to five. But yeah, we'll we'll come up with a list and then afterwards we'll probably come out with some you know some draft stuff. Like you know, the chances are that like the Kings have a thirty some percent chance to jump in the top four. But there's also a bit a very good chance they don't jump at all. And in fact, they're probably gonna end up dropping him anything. Like we might not have a chance to talk about Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, uh, Paolo Benquero, and uh some other guys. So we might so I'll definitely be we'll definitely be coming with uh those analysis um before long. So uh stick stick uh stick with us for that. And before we actually go, um, Jason Anderson just announced an hour ago, uh, Sacramento Kings Media Relations Director Rasan Gethers, Gether, Gethers is leaving after nine years to, be, uh, to become the Vice President of Basketball Communications for the Trailblazers. So, yeah, he's been with the uh, he's been with the Sacramento Kings for nine years. Apparently, he's only thirty five, so he started at twenty four. That's crazy. Jeez. So, yeah, um, that's another person that's leaving the Kings organization and just seemingly, seemingly like a big reshuffle of kind of the front office. Yeah, that's interesting. This is probably, yeah, most some of the most uh, news about, uh, you know, not front office stuff, but, you know, the behind the scenes people uh, leaving the Kings organization. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, we'll see if this is a good or a bad thing. Like, there needed to be change, but like, with how much like instability that this franchise has, has you know, experienced, to like, just seemingly just a bunch of people leaving and possibly a bunch of people coming in, like, it's not the greatest look right now. Yeah, hopefully it's good change because we're gonna need it. I mean, this is only you know the first step into many many situations to come yeah okay well that's uh, all we have uh, for this episode thank you guys for listening we'll catch you guys back on the next episode yep and we'll see you guys later <laughs>